This is The Recap, a weekly reflection on the sermons of Fellowship Baptist Church in Mainville, Ohio, seeking to help you make Jesus essential in every aspect of your life. I'm your host this week, Ryan Land, and I'm here with the preacher of this week's sermon, Brent Wilson. Brent, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. It's good to be back. We're back. That's what I was about to say. We're We're back. We're back. We took a three-week break. Three-week break. Uh, so we're, we're excited to be back diving into a new sermon series called Wisdom for the Ages. New, hot off the press. Hot, hot off the presses with a new printer that will fold we did get a all the worship guides. Yeah. So no one else cares but us, but yeah, we care a lot. I, specifically, I care a lot about the folding. But uh, okay, so before we really dive into the, the topic of this week's sermon, which was wisdom, uh, what I really want to do first is talk about something that's really important when it comes to reading and studying our Bibles, and this is the idea of uh, biblical genre. And so you you mentioned um, that we're talking we're going through these wisdom literature books. Yep. So uh, talk a little bit about first, like broadly, what is biblical genre, and then and then more about the the wisdom literature. Yeah. <clears throat> so the Bible has genres, um, different types of literature. So um, we, I was going to say recently, but I guess it's been a little bit. We we went through Romans a while back, right? Which is a letter or an epistle, meaning uh, somebody, in this case, Paul wrote a letter to churches. And you read that in a way that is pretty familiar to us. Uh, you read a letter. This guy wrote and he intended to say certain things very logical arguments kind mm-hmm. of being made, uh, instructions, pretty easy to read. Yeah. Two specific people. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Um, pretty straightforward. But then if you look at say, uh, the parables of Jesus, mm-hmm. this is a different genre. So Jesus, is, Jesus is now telling stories that are not true and that they're made up tales, um, that, but the truth, but there's a truth behind them. Yeah. Right. And so there's a, there's a story meant to convey a truth. And so you have to interpret those in a certain way. Um, and then you look at apocalyptic literature. So Revelation or even the book of Daniel and maybe some other parts and places. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and those have a certain way. They're often very metaphorical, a lot of symbology. Um, and so you have to, you know, when you read in Revelation about the, the, the beast coming up out of the sea or the dragon, it's like not literal mm-hmm. it's representing something else and so you've got to, to do that another good example would be this happens several times throughout the bible uh in one chapter genesis one and two is a great example uh but other places as well and in, in, in one chapter you'll have a very historical um uh recounting of an event mm-hmm. and then in another chapter you'll have a poetic recounting of the same exact event yeah um uh there's one in judges like that and it's like in the one it's very, uh, very factual. There were this many soldiers. This bottle was filed. Uh, but in the second one, in the poetic one, of like when the moon turned to blood. Yeah. And it's, and it's not that the moon really turned to blood, but it's a, uh, an expression about what was happening. It was a dark day, yada, yada, mm-hmm. yada. And so you have to know what genre you're in to interpret the Bible accurately in light of said genre. Yeah. And so I, I you know, taking it out of, out of the Bible, you know, just like very simply, you read your history textbook differently mm. than you read Harry Potter or yeah. the Hunger Games, right? Or whatever yeah. fiction book you're reading because they're doing different things, right? When we read something in a history book, our intuition is that what happened in it is true. It happened. 
Mm-hmm. And then when we read a, a fiction book, a storybook, our, our intuition is that this is um, made up. It's, it's not real. Uh, and so our, our gut sort of feeling and, and the, 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 our subconscious is doing all these calculations depending on what genre we're reading, genre we're reading. Yeah. Uh, so it's really, it's, it's a super important part of, of, you know, reading your Bible because you can't read, like you can't read the Psalms or, or Proverbs like we were, like you would, uh, like you would read Romans. But here, right? Here's a great example of this. So when you read Proverbs, uh, people are probably familiar with this proverb that says, uh, raise up a child in the way that he should go. And when he grows old, he will not depart from it. Mm-hmm. Right. And so a lot of times people read that and think, oh, if I raise my child in the Lord, mm-hmm. um, when they grow old, they'll be saved and they'll always be Christians. Um, but the book of Proverbs is not a book of promises, mm-hmm. uh, but rather of wise teachings that are yep. generally true. Mm-hmm. So it is a general truth that if you do A, B will happen. But not always, because we live in a broken, fallen world, and it doesn't always turn out that way. But generally yeah. speaking, it will. And if you don't do this, it certainly won't happen that way, or the chances are even less likely that it'll happen mm-hmm. that way. Um, so, so yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 you know, but there are other places where there are promises made, like by God, that are that are promises. Yeah, take them to the bank. Yeah, yeah. They're, they are going to happen. They are yeah. going to. And so you got to know which ones are promises and which yeah. ones are proverbs. Yeah, super helpful. So. Uh, when it comes to like wisdom literature, uh, one, like what is wisdom literature or what are the books of the Bible that are considered wisdom literature? So you have Proverbs, mm-hmm. Psalms, Ecclesiastes, uh, Song of Solomon, and Job, mm-hmm. which is kind of surprising that it's mm-hmm. in there, but it is. Um, all of them are a little different. Like obviously Psalms is more songs. Yep. Proverbs are these pithy sayings. Um I, you know, one time I went through the book of Proverbs, just kind of by my own reading. And then I went straight to Ecclesiastes. And so I went straight from like being encouraged and lifted up and like yeah, yeah. full of wisdom to like super depressed. Yeah. Ecclesiastes, like nothing matters. There's <laughs> yeah, nothing new under the sun. Everything yeah. will fail you. In super the sad. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, maybe do those in the opposite order. Go from being <laughs> down to up. I don't know. Um, uh, but, but yeah. And so I think the goal of all of those genres is to help us to grow in virtue and wisdom. Mm-hmm. So, which means to grow and to know what is right, but then also, and what do I do? Mm-hmm. And so, um, I think reading all, you know, Job as an example is it's teaching us, well, what is, uh, how do I understand and think about, uh, the evil in the world, suffering mm-hmm. in the world, God's goodness in the world. How do I respond to that? Uh, what is right? And what do I do when these things happen? Right. Particularly around suffering. Um, yep. and so. Yeah, I think it's all of them are helping us to grow in wisdom, which uh, we can talk about in a little bit in a minute, but really it's defined of how do you navigate life? Mm-hmm. And how do you navigate suffering? Well, read the book of Job and you'll learn something about how to navigate suffering, yeah. which is to grow in wisdom about mm-hmm. how to suffer. So, Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's great. So uh, now sort of this sermon was, it seemed to me, and I don't know if this was your intention or not, but like an introductory kind of idea like the whole series is going to be about wisdom, mm-hmm. right? And the wisdom, yeah. the wisdom literature in the Bible. And so this was an introduction about what is wisdom? How do we, why do we need wisdom? How do we grow in wisdom? So uh, you, you answered this in your sermon, but I think we, we can unpack it a little bit more. It's like, what exactly is wisdom? When we say wisdom, what are we talking about? Yeah, I thought before we got too far into it, we needed to 
define our terms yeah and know what wisdom is what it's not um and then how we grow in it generally before we zoom in on particular areas of wisdom or particular passages that we might dissect um, and so what it's not is or what it's more than maybe is morality or ethics so mm-hmm. it certainly is morality but it's more than that so um is it wise not to lie yes but it's but it's more than that mm-hmm. um uh, morality i've heard it said is helping us make the decisions uh, in the 80% of life where the rules don't apply. Mm -hmm. So if you're trying to make the decision, should I steal this candy bar? You don't need wisdom for that. Morality Mm -hmm. says no. You don't need wisdom. You just need to follow the law. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Wisdom helps you when you have five five options and they're all good. Mm -hmm. You know, morality doesn't say these are bad options. Mm -hmm. I've got five colleges to go to. Um, I've got uh, five cars to choose from. They're all good decisions, but how do I know which one is the right decision? Well, that's where you need wisdom. And, and you also need more than just knowledge, right? Because mm-hmm. um, all, all five cars, all five colleges, whatever, uh, I have the knowledge that they're all good. Right? I need yeah. more than just knowledge. Um, I need to know, but I need to be able to see between the lines. On yeah. Some of things. Like you, you, you think about, like thinking about colleges, you know, it's like uh, I, I had this discussion when I was, you know, going into college. And it's like I had a couple of schools in front of me and, you know, on I could write out all the information on paper, right? Like how much it would cost, how much mm-hmm. it would uh, or what like the quality of my education, where these schools were ranked, um, you know, what what sort of jobs people got as they left these individual schools. You know, you could get all that. But what you can't put down on paper is like, how will the people there influence me? How will the culture of the 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 school or the city around the school influence me? And so these sort of intangible things that that was more a. Uh, it was a wisdom decision yeah. than it was just that I can put this down on paper right. and decide right. what's up and what's down, what's right and what's wrong. Yeah, for sure. For sure. That's good. Uh, you know, we talk about what is wisdom and then kind of like how we develop in it. I think one of the things that was really helpful for me in studying for this was this idea that wisdom isn't secret knowledge, mm-hmm. uh, which, yeah, yeah, yeah. which I think I really fall into the trap of a lot of times of, you know, oh, the new book that came out, the new podcast that just mm-hmm. dropped. Um, you know, it's like, oh, let me go read this book and I'll figure out how to be a better preacher. Mm-hmm. This new mm-hmm. preaching book or whatever. Um, it's like, oh, this secret knowledge will help me. And it's like, those might be stones along the path, um, but they're never the secret knowledge that's going to unlock the thing. It's like, bam, I've arrived. Yeah. Right. And so this idea that it's a lifelong journey walking down the path of of wisdom and eventually you get to a place like oh i'm wise here now (laughs) yeah Uh, i didn't realize um and so i think that was a helpful thing for me to understand too that it's a journey not a Mm -hmm. a door i i you know anytime you talk about wisdom i i i get this picture in my head of like you know just like the the old like sage you know that's got all the the secrets, right? But but the they're wizard. but they're riddles, you know. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you can't, you, you know. It's like, oh yeah. And so and so, I I do think it's helpful to to clarify. It's like it's not this secret turn of phrase, right? It's not Yoda, mm-hmm. right? You know, telling you, wow. you know, do or do not. There is no try. <laughs> um, but it's it's a lot of it is lived experience, but it, it, it's it it doesn't have to be right. But it is like yeah. Um, it's learned. It's yeah, yeah. It's 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 not the like you said in the I think your sermon. It's like it's not a door 
Mm-hmm. There's not one thing we walk through one time. It's not this one yeah. thing we learn, this one piece of information, but it's uh, accumulating knowledge, accumulating um, experience, accumulating. Um, but, but there's also this other thing to it that I don't even know how to put words to necessarily because you and I could both go through the same experience. Like, for example, we can make the wrong decision about something, mm-hmm. experience the negative outcome of that bad decision. Mm-hmm. And one of us could could take that knowledge we learned and grow in the wisdom and apply it to the future and the other one yeah. fall into a cycle of making the same bad decision over and over again. Oh, for sure. For and sure. so it's like there's something to be said about um, longing for wisdom and desiring wisdom um, and and looking out for it. So you, so you, uh, you know, one of the things I, I, I try to tell myself and other people a lot is no, don't ever let a bad thing that happened in your life go wa- like be wasted. Like what did you learn from this that you mm-hmm. can take into the next mm-hmm. uh, situation? And so it's like, but, but that doesn't always happen, right? People experience these things and and they do it again and again and again. And so there's something to be said about, I am trying to gain wisdom even when bad things happen or mm-hmm. I messed up or I was at fault or whatever. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that goes into your, kind of your next point, like that, that or that you talked about in the sermon is like, how do we, how do we get wisdom? Yeah. So you want to you want to talk about that for a little bit? Uh, yeah. So I just uh, I said those five things. So just briefly, knowing God, mm-hmm. particularly knowing God's love, mm-hmm. uh, and one and two kind of go together here. So you, you have to know God's love um, because the only way you're going to do number two, which is to know yourself, is to know His love. So mm-hmm. uh, you know we were talking about before the sermon, Socrates. Uh, can you tell me the quote? Uh, <laughs> well, one I had I had a, I had someone lean over and be like. Did he just say Socrates <laughs> instead of Socrates? And I had to like briefly explain that it was what, what Bill and Ted's excellent adventure <laughs> was. Um, so yeah, so the the Socrates quote is uh, knowing thyself. Uh, uh, well, now I'm not going to remember it. It's like <laughs> knowing thyself leads to wisdom. Yeah, like the only path to wisdom is to know thyself. Something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so from a Christian perspective, my point is that the only way to truly know oneself is to first be rooted in the love and acceptance of God. Because if you're not rooted in that, you're going to be pretending and performing to get acceptance from everyone else in the world. And therefore, you're not going to be honest with yourself about who you actually are and your weaknesses Mm -hmm. and your faults and your sins. And so, but when you have the confidence of the security of God's love, all of a sudden, I'm not worried if this person over here looks at me like I'm crazy or I'm a failure. Because God doesn't. And so mm-hmm. I can be honest about my faults and my failures and then learn who I actually am and then make decisions in light of it. One of the things I didn't really bring out of the sermon was when, when you do that and you're honest about your own issues, well, that's going to really affect how I might make decisions for me that aren't laws, but mm-hmm. but will affect me. So like if I know that I am particularly susceptible to drunkenness or particularly susceptible to um, lustful thoughts or, or looking at things lustfully. Well, then I probably need to either stay away from people who drink or I need to stay away from uh, <clears throat> put some some security things on my phone or computer mm-hmm. um, or, you know, whatever. I need Because I know those are my weaknesses, I can put the things in my life that will prevent me mm-hmm. from giving in to those vices. Yeah. And I think, I think that's kind of the key to what you were talking about earlier about you know, two people can make the same mistake, have the same consequences, and yeah. one of them learns from it and doesn't repeat the mistake or doesn't yeah. put themselves in the situation, and the other person just kind of falls into this cycle. Yeah. I think the knowing thyself, uh, which 
to know thyself is the beginning of wisdom is the quote. I just looked it up. Okay. Um, knowing yourself keeps you from being the person who makes the same mistake over and over and over and over oh, again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, is that when you're able to have this self-reflection and not in a, uh, and I think this is where the knowing God piece is really helpful is that you can know yourself, but I, I feel like this sometimes it's like, I'll mess up in the same way. And then eventually I'll get to this place where, well, I'll just never get it right. So I'll just own it. Mm. You know, it's like, yeah. so this is just who I am. And so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do it. Yeah. Right. It's like, I'm never gonna, it's never gonna, it's never gonna change. Uh, and so to know God actually combats kind of both ends of the spectrum, mm. right? The person that refuses to change. Uh, and then the person that's like too scared or too uh, nervous in the face of criticism or in the yeah. face of social pressure, like to change. Mm. Uh, and so. Uh, I, th- I think, you know, that's, that's that last piece we were trying to like, we were dancing yeah. around of what is wisdom. It's that knowing what you're prone to do or not do. Yeah. And, and letting, you know, letting, letting the spirit, you know, really work, work on you in those ways and, and being really practical about praying about those things and mm-hmm. um, reading about those things. And, and uh, uh, you know, just really, I think, I think when you can know what you're inclined to do, uh, you you can train yourself in godliness, train yourself in wisdom yeah. uh, through the scriptures a lot easier than just sort of like this scatter shot. Like I'm going to spiritually grow. Right, 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 right. Yeah, for sure. So you got to know God. You got to know yourself. Um, and thirdly, you got to know your friends. Particularly, you've got to have wise friends. You know, Proverbs says in another place, "He who walks with the wise becomes wise." Mm-hmm. We naturally become like those we're around. Yeah. Or and, as Obi Wan Kenobi says. Who's more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him? <laughs> That's good. Um, yeah, and so uh, you have to um, have wise counsel in your life. And I, and I think, you know, I can't remember the proverb off the top of my head, but basically it was something like, um, I can't even quote it, but the idea is if you think you're wise, you're actually a fool. Mm-hmm. And if you think you're foolish, you're on the way to wisdom. Yeah. Um, and so... The one who knows only the fool thinks himself wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the fool says, "I know." <laughs> yeah, I've, I understand. I got mm-hmm. everyone else is wrong. I, I, uh, I alone understand. Mm-hmm. And so the wise person, uh, whether it's a decision he's making or it's a, an idea he's formulating or an opinion he's formulating, um, l- looks at himself and says, "I think I understand this, but I, I, I doubt." And I, I doubt myself. Mm-hmm. And that's not like an insecurity issue. Yeah. That's a wise thing to say, hey, you well, know what? I don't know what I don't know. And, um, you know, Tim Keller says this about. I was just about to talk about Tim oh, Keller. Oh, wow. <laughs> Great minds and all. That's right. Uh, he says, if you've read one book on a topic, you've been introduced to the topic. Mm-hmm. If you've read five books on the topic, um, you've begun to like, I'm trying to remember how he says it, but you've begun to like. Um, be it, or I don't know, something else. When you've read, you get to the point where it says, if you've read 100 books, you can have an opinion, right? It's like you've read 50, you've yeah. begun to realize how well, confusing it is. And after 100, you can have an opinion. Well, I think this is a really practical thing as as Christians, as, as convictional people, right? Is that we can be secure in our conviction. And 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 this is true of Tim Keller. I was, I'm reading this book about him. Uh, we can be secure in our convictions, and still hold things with an open hand, right? Yeah. And not, you know, not be scared hmm. of things that are contrary to our convictions. Yeah. We can listen and um, even 
think about and ponder positions that seem contrary to mm-hmm. ours because we can be secure yeah. in our conviction without saying that there's no other thoughts on, there can never be any other thoughts on this ever, only the way I believe it to be. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, and it's a really hard, I mean, it's a hard tightrope to walk, but I think it's really important um, in yeah. how we engage with people, yeah. uh, specifically related to like to Christianity and to the, to the Bible, to, to, to who God is and what he's done in the world, is that if we can come with an open hand but not lose any of our conviction, I think that's a, I think that's a real mark of wisdom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so uh, security. Yeah, right? yeah. In oneself. Uh, and in the Lord. Um, you're, not, you're not scared of any other contrary idea yeah. or opinion because you're secure in your knowledge. Yeah, it, it, it's, you know. You don't have to defend it. So I talked about this idea that Proverbs shows that the wise man is somebody who is portrayed as confident and poised and secure. Mm-hmm. What's the fool uh, who is who is blabbering, quick to speak, yeah. flies off the handle, always yelling, always angry, always on the defense. And it's like, well, the wise person can listen to someone who dissents, even has a very radical opinion different than mine. I can listen and be calm and hear that without the insecurity of like, I just got to yell at you to make myself feel right. Like that's a bully mm-hmm. um, who's insecure, not someone who's confident and resting and trusting. So, so you've got the, you got to know God's love. You got to know yourself. You got to know uh, your friends and, and wise counsel and listen to other voices. Hey, I need you to speak into this. Um, I'm making a decision, this opinion, whatever. I need you to speak into it. Uh, mm-hmm. And then fourthly, you got to know God's best practices, um, which is really just to say you need to know the scriptures and what God has patterned the world after. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's everything from God says, don't lie, don't mm-hmm. gossip. That's a best mm-hmm. practice, right? Gossip destroys you, your community, your friends. Yeah. Um, uh, but but also just the other things like uh, there's a proverb that talks about uh, giving of your first fruits and you know, it's better to give than receive you know give and then you'll have an abundance um, and so all of these things that the world would say counter to the Bible is giving wisdom in the opposite direction I think I use the example of forgiveness like to withhold forgiveness you think is to stick it to the person who's wronged mm-hmm. you but actually in the end it also destroys you yeah to to hit back you know yeah. is, is the is what's really gonna get, to get back at them. Yeah, you know, it makes you feel better for a moment, mm-hmm. uh, but then it destroys you. Yeah, and I, I think that goes back to what you were saying earlier about the difference between like how wisdom is actually greater than morality because wisdom always leads you to the moral choice, mm. but not with the baggage of like being right or fear of being wrong. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 wisdom leads you to the moral choice without fear of legalism. Right. Um, and so it's, 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 you know, to say God's best practices, you know, or his commands is not to just see them as like God's rule book, but actually to see them as like, this is the best, the, the wise person says, this isn't just a rule. This is the best way to live my life. Yeah. It's the path to flourishing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a helpful way to look at God's laws, not as restrictive practices that we have to follow to make him happy but as a guide to flourishing, to human flourishing. Yeah. Think about a community that never lied, never gossiped, never stole, never murdered, um, never backbite, never got angry at one another. Um, what a great place to live, right? Mm-hmm. That would, you, would in, you would have incredible flourishing. You could sleep mm-hmm. at night and not lock your door. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have that kind of community. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what kind of a flourishing it would be if we had it. Mm-hmm. Um, the fifth thing was you have to know trouble. And that is like, you're going to walk through hard things 
And the Lord sends hard things our way and he uses mm-hmm. hard things that we go through to teach us. We get ourselves into hard things. We get ourselves into hard things. <laughs> and he, you know, we sing a song. I don't remember what it's called, but there's it, it this line in it that says, um, there's no failure or mistake that's wasted, basically. Yeah, canvas in the clay. Yeah. I know um, nothing has been wasted, no failure or mistake. It. Yeah. And man, I just love that because it's like, even when you are the screw up, <laughs> um, God doesn't waste it. Yeah. He uses it in your life. And so... Um, we, and I think probably we get most of our wisdom through failure mm-hmm. if we're, if we're ready to receive it, that is. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so, um, I think I, w- I wanted to ask the question of us, like, Hey, what's the time in, in each of our lives where we gain and learned wisdom. And as I was thinking about it, it was like, you know, what? they're all kind of, they're not like cool stories. Like there are little yeah. failures here and there and little mistakes and, and, and little, little pebbles on this path. And so, yeah, yeah, I, I, um, I, I, I do think it's a little, you know, thinking about like wisdom, it's a little bit like a journey of a thousand miles starts with a single step. You know, it's oh, like yeah, yeah. you, you, you try to think of all these, like, when did I, when did I grow in wisdom? Yeah. And it's like, I can't be like, oh, well, you know, five years ago, this thing happened and it made me more wise, mm-hmm. but I can look at myself five years ago and myself now and yeah. think, oh, I think I'm more wise than I was five years ago. Right especially regarding like one, you know, this area or that area. Um, But it's not like you can't point to just like one thing um, that, that really like, yeah, I can point to things, but they're little things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a thousand little things. Yeah. There's not one big thing. This was the turning moment. Mm -hmm. No, this was just Mm -hmm. one baby step along the the way. Um, I will say, you know, I said there's no shortcuts, but Mm -hmm. I said there is one. (laughs) Um, (laughs) there's no shortcuts, but there is one. Uh, and that's to, to listen to wisdom from older people, Mm -hmm. um, people who've walked the path. I said, you know, old people are not old people, not all old people are wise, but wise people are old. You know, that's where, or that's where it's found. Uh, and I I can think about when I was in high school, there was this moment uh, after church, uh, I'm just leaning up against my car. Uh, my current girlfriend at the time is like standing uh, there kind of close to me and we're just kind of talking and this uh, old man and his wife drives by and they roll down the window and he points his crooked finger at me and he, sh- and he shakes it at me and he, I don't remember what he said, but he got on to me for standing too close to her and looking inappropriate or something. And I was so mad because I was like, I'm, I was, you know, self-righteously indignant. Like I didn't do anything wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a mentor at the time who was our worship pastor and I went to him and I was venting about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, well, that's Frank and Frank is the wisest man I've ever met. And I was like, well... <laughs> You need to get out more often. <laughs> <laughs> you need to meet some people. Yeah, yeah. But I ended up uh, going to lunch with Frank, and uh, it was such a blessing because he was able to explain to me what he was seeing, and um, it wasn't a matter of right and wrong, a matter of wisdom, and mm-hmm. just learned so much from him and his perspective and the wisdom of his years. And so that really set me on a course of like valuing. Uh, you know, I was at a time at six, six, 17 years old where I didn't value old people. I thought they were mm-hmm. uh, in the way of progress. Yeah. And that really set me on a course to say, oh, no, there's a, a treasure trove of wisdom mm-hmm. ready to be devoured uh, if you would just open it and listen. And oh, so yeah. it helped me. Uh, you know, that's a that's a big cobblestone on my path of mm-hmm. of, um, hey, shut up and listen. Mm-hmm. So that was helpful for me. Yeah. Uh, and the so the last thing that I kind of want to talk about, we talked about this a little bit before. Uh, your sermon, but we we're talking about Jesus as, and you referenced, you know, Jesus as the embodiment of wisdom, right? Yeah. From John one, like 
logos, 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 logos. however you want to say it, (laughs) Uh, you know, logos becoming flesh, right? Wisdom, logic, uh, reality, like, you know, the the patterns of reality becoming flesh. Yeah. Um, But also Jesus as a teacher of wisdom. Yeah. And so what what do we see from from the life of Jesus uh, are his like definitions are his teachings on on wisdom or about wisdom yeah, one of the interesting things uh me and ryan both actually read this book i don't know probably a year or so ago uh, but called jesus the great philosopher and it was pretty eye-opening for for us that um some of the the early church uh paintings of jesus actually has him in a toga uh in a <laughs> with like one of those like leaf yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like around his ears yeah. or whatever. Which is what philosophers wore uh, in that mm-hmm. time. And if you think about, you know, Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, um, these philosophers, well, what are they doing? Well, they're bringing a way of life to bear on the world. They're telling people, hey, this is how you do government. This is how you do family. Mm-hmm. This is how you do ethics. This is how you function in the world yeah. to the, for the greatest flourish. Like, like you think about, um, I think this is Socrates or I can't remember the uh, allegory of the cave. Socrates is Socrates. Yeah. It's like, he's telling you, this is what the world is like. Yeah. It's a, it's a vision. Yeah. It's a worldview. World. It's a <laughs> worldview. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And so Jesus in very much the same vein as Socrates, Plato, Aristotle, these guys is coming as a philosopher to give us the reality of the world. Here's how the world actually works, which is wisdom. Right. Mm-hmm. And what Jesus is doing is saying, Hey, you guys have thought this way, but it's actually like this. And he's really saying the world's upside down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in the, the Sermon on the Mount, it's a great example, yeah. right? Um, blessed are the meek, mm-hmm. they will inherit the earth. Yeah, all the Beatitudes, yeah, right? Yeah, right. Um, and then, you know, uh, you've heard it said, do not murder, but I say unto you, if you have anger in your heart towards your brother, you've committed murder in your heart. Um, and so it's like, um, here, here are the, here's the ways the world actually works. Here's how your heart actually works. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and you were telling me how he ends the Sermon on the Mount uh, is the parable of the, the the two builders, the two builders on the on the sand and on the on the stone. Yeah, and, and so and he's specifically casts these two guys not as like the righteous or the unrighteous or the the good and the bad guy, but as the you could be like the wise builder yeah. who built his house on the rock, or you can be like the foolish builder who built it on the sand. And so he's saying to hear the Sermon on the Mount, to hear my teaching and to ignore it is foolish. Yeah. But to hear it and to live this way is wisdom. Yeah. And so he gives us like this really clear, the longest, the longest, you know, teaching of Jesus that we have, you know, in Matthew, Sermon on the Mount. And at the end of that, he says, to hear this and ignore it is foolishness. Mm. And to hear it and apply it is wisdom. Yeah. Uh, And so like, very clear, just like laid out for you. Like, yeah, you want to be wise, go read the Sermon on the Mount and, <laughs> and live like that. It's super hard. Yeah. You know, you know, we think of Christianity as a, a way of salvation from a spiritual problem, which mm-hmm. it certainly is. Yeah. Uh, but it's also the true way to life. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus says, I come uh, to bring life and to bring it in abundance. Mm-hmm. And so it's like to the follow full, the, the fullness the, of life, yeah, right? The, to follow the way of Jesus um, is to have a life to the fullest, to mm-hmm. enjoy life, to live life as it was truly meant to be. And if we look at the 30,000 foot view of the point of the gospel is that we, we, we began in a garden of, of which had shalom. That means hu- universal human flourishing. 
And we lost that, but that's exactly what Jesus has come to restore. Yeah. To build a city of, of universal human flourishing. And so his ways are for our prosperity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so f- follow what Jesus said and things will go better for you because he is wise. Yes. He's not, he's not only saving you from the punishment for your sin or the consequences of your sin. He's saving you from having to live in your sin. And he's saving you to yeah, yeah. a new world yeah. without sin. It's it's not just a salvation from God's wrath. It certainly is that. Yeah. Um, but it's also uh, you know, it's like Paul talks about being being freed from your your mm. your slavery, from your your chains being broken. Right. right. That slavery is actually or sin is actually the slavery that is 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 binding us. And Jesus has come to pay the debt for our sin, restore us to uh to shalom with with God, right, in our relationship mm. with God, but also to restore our lives, yeah, um, to flourishing, to free us from you know the shackles of our slavery. It's kind of back to that, you know, the maybe the best Lewis quote ever about you know we want to play around with sex and drugs and drink and which is like mud pies in the slums, mm-hmm. but Jesus is offering a vacation at the sea. Yeah, it's like when we follow our wisdom or when we're the fool. We think, oh man, this mud pie is great. These these vices, these sinful things are great. <laughs> but really, if you follow the way of Jesus, it's like there's this beautiful, magnificent thing right around the corner, and we don't we don't, we don't possess it because we're not walking in wisdom. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. All right. Well, we got one, we got one question, but it's all we needed because because we can talk. This is the uh, this is this is uh, this is a crazy question. Uh, crazy that we can talk about it for forever yeah uh uh this so you you mentioned like you you told this story about like you know what is trying to discern god's will for your life and Mm. uh you talked about the like spilling the coffee on the yeah the the like real estate thing it's like we can't buy that house and so I, this person or just said, opening your Bible and pointing to it. Oh, oh, dude, that was so. Oh my gosh, that was so <laughs> funny. Oh, I totally forgot about that. That was so good. Uh, so, but this person just wrote in and said, "What is God's will for my life?" Well, let us take tell you it right now. Take it away. Uh, <laughs> I actually can. I actually can. Conf- I anytime students ask me this question, I tell them I can confidently answer it. Oh, what do you tell them? To be faithful and obedient. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- th- that's it. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah you know. The question is a little big in that, do you mean your whole life? Do you mean what is God's will for my life in this one decision or whatever? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to speak a little bit generally here, but the starting place is always the scripture. Mm-hmm. Okay, what is God's will for my life? Well, we can say what it's not. Mm-hmm. That's what the scriptures say it's not. And we can say what it is, mm-hmm. kind of like what well, you just said it. Well, it's, it's faithfulness to Jesus. It's obedience to Jesus. It's doing what he said, not doing what he said not to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we, you know, we start with the scriptures. So if the question is, what job should I take? Well, if, if one of the options is in the, in the porn industry uh, and the other option is in something else, like a, I'm going to be an engineer, well, we know that you really only have one option because mm-hmm. one of those is sinful. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, but if you have the options between working at P&G or GE, both good options. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no disqualifying parts about those. Um, and so you start with the scriptures. Hey, you know, what's God's will for my life? Um, Let's start there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the second thing I would say is, you know, if it's a more broader question about what's like kind of in general, what's his will for my life? I would say, well, what are you gifted at? You know, God has given us all spiritual gifts um, to be used and cultivated. Um, and so what is yours? Is it teaching? Mm-hmm. Is it encouragement? Is it uh, discernment? Is it 
uh, music? Like what's your, what, what are the things that God has given you the gift for? And I would say both from a spiritual gift perspective, but also just in a general gift. Talents. Just yeah. talents. Yeah. Like what are those and, things? And like, what do you like to do? What do you, what, do you, yeah. what does God put joy in your heart yeah. for? Yeah. You don't, God doesn't want you to just like begrudgingly go do a job to make money. He wants you to enjoy work. Work is good. Mm-hmm. And so um, what are you, what are you gifted at? What are you good at? What do you enjoy? And see if you can't use that um, both to do really good at that thing, but then also to leverage it for the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and those things aren't at odds at one another. I think you can yeah. both be an engineer for an engineer's sake and being a great engineer, build beautiful, awesome buildings or whatever, while also leveraging that for the kingdom of God. I think you do both. And so what are your gifts? How do you, how do you, and then go from there. Uh, I would say, ask your friends, Hey, what am I good at? You know, or Hey, do you think this is a good idea? You know, get wisdom from mm-hmm. friends, just generally. from older people, from older like people. Talk about earlier. Yeah. And then finally, and I wish I had said this on Sunday and I just kind of forgot, but use your brain. Like God gave you a brain um, and and think through the issue and make the best decision with the information you have available. After you've talked to everyone, counseled with other people, you've got these decisions before you, Mm -hmm. just pick one. Like there's not a magic formula of like, opening the Bible and look, point at a verse or looking for some sign at some point, you've just got to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, one of the, one of the things that was really helpful in my life is I was trying to make a decision and I started praying, God, just give me the next step. I don't know the end. Just show me what to do next. And then I took all the information. I took all the wise counsel I got mm-hmm. and I made a decision of what I thought God was leading me the next step to be based off of, just using my brain and all of the knowledge that I had about it and mm-hmm. the wisdom I had at the time and the counsel I had and made a decision to move forward. Mm-hmm. And the great thing is if it's the wrong decision, God uses that yeah, yeah, and brings us more wisdom and helps us get back on the path. And it's like, I, I, it's hard to, to even know, like, even if something bad happens, right, you take a job and it gets really complicated and you get fired or you have to quit or whatever. That doesn't even necessarily mean it wasn't God's will for you to take that job. It doesn't mean it was the wrong decision. Um, And so I think just trusting that God is sovereign and that um, on some level, every decision we make that's not in, that's not sinful is his will. Oh, I would even say the ones that are sinful are his will. Well, yeah. I I mean, mean, think about like like when Joseph's brother saw him into slavery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From a from a um, about to get in deep waters. <laughs> from an omnipotent point of view, and from yeah. a, from a uh, a sovereignty point of view, in that he's directing the current. You mean it's not part of his permissible? But I mean, yeah. I mean that God not his desire. For God you. desires you. Yeah, I'm with you. Like God could desire for you to go take a job that gets complicated and you have to quit or be fired. Like yeah. God could desire that for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think I, th- I think about this Augustine quote all the time. Uh, uh, I need to get it like tattooed on my forehead uh and it just, he just said like augustine very simply says love god and do what you please hmm. like, because if you love god rightly yeah the things that you do will always be aligned to his will mm-hmm. you know nathan was really helpful to me recently and he's talking about there's a verse i think it's kind of in multiple places the same idea like ecclesiastes and somewhere else but it's basically like um god give me the desires of my heart like if, if mm-hmm. you do if you do something god will give you the desires of your heart yeah yeah, yeah. uh like I, I've seen people quote that all the time thinking, oh, if I do X, Y, and Z, then God will give me what I want. Mm-hmm. But he's like, no, 
if you do X, Y, and Z, your, your desires, desires will be changed. God's desires. Yeah, your desires will change and you'll just start to desire what, what God wants you to do. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's kind of the same thing with the Augustine quote. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I think of the first question of the uh, um, Westminster Catechism. What is the chief end of man to enjoy, to glorify God and, and enjoy, enjoy him, him forever? Yeah. And so, man, and you think of Paul, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all to the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And so... Use your brain, make wise decisions, enjoy God. Yeah. Live. And, and don't be don't be scared of doing something because you don't know if it's what's God's calling you to do or not. Yeah. Do all of the due diligence mm-hmm. and then and then take a very confident step forward and let mm-hmm. him do it. Yeah. And if the, and then if it turns out poorly, pivot. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you got anything else? This is probably our longest episode to date. Oh man. So we, one question. One, one question. Episode. Uh well, uh, that's all you got? That's all I got. All right. Well, thanks for joining us for the recap this week. We hope this conversation has encouraged you to keep striving to make Jesus essential in every aspect of your life. If you aren't part of our church family, we'd love to meet you on a Sunday morning. We gather for worship at 1030 a.m. For more information, you can go to myfellowship.church. If you want to get in contact with us, you can email staff at myfellowship.church or you can always fill out a question on our church app under the This Week's Sermon tab. Next week, we will pick up in week two of Wisdom for the Ages. We hope you'll join us then. Be blessed. See you.